Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Today, we have got a fireball in the pulpit today. I'm telling you, um, you know, there's very rarely times that, you know, we we give up this pulpit and when we do we make sure it's very intentional it's well thought out and actually i had pastor stephen chandler uh prepared i mean planned to to speak in january we were going to do a big revival night and then with the COVID spike and all that kind of stuff we decided let's not create events where there's people packed into rooms so we did that and uh so i just said listen i want you to come back in may and I'm telling you, I, I called him last week. I said, now we're in a series on spiritual warfare. Are you up for the challenge? And he's like, oh yeah. And I'm telling you, he's one of the most dynamic preachers. I've sat through this twice. And this, let me tell you, you you're about to have your life impacted. I want you taking lots of notes. You might hear some things he say that you're like, I've heard Aaron say that before. It's because I stole it from him because he is an incredible preacher. Uh, follow him on social media. He's always got great content. He's got a great church, three locations in the, the uh, uh, Maryland area, greater DC area. And it's just continued to expand and he's adding staff and uh, services. It's incredible. But to not today, he's here and he's got a word from God for your life. So listen, 12 o'clock service, don't let me down. You better shout them down. You better scream. You better get on those feet once in a while and just give them a little bit of a, you know, preach, preacher kind of stuff. So why don't you do me a favor right now? Let's stand on our feet. Let's welcome Pastor Stephen Chandler to the stage as he brings the word today. Hallelujah. Hey, since you're on your feet, can you give Jesus some praise? Can you honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? God, we bless you. God, we magnify you. God, we worship you. We declare there is none like you in all the earth, God. You're worthy of all our praise and more. Wow! Yo, don't you dare sit down yet. (laughs) You know, sometimes I've realized you can be so close to something that you don't realize how unusual or how abnormal it is. And you need your brother from another mother all the way from Maryland to come and let you know what's happening at Radiant Church. This is not normal. This is not average. You can't get this at any church you go to. This is a move of God. This is a house of miracles. This is a place where bodies are healed, addictions are broken, marriages are restored, lives are transformed. And hear me. God is looking to do this all across the country, but he can only do it in places where people are a good steward of the souls that he is sending. And I'm telling you, you have stewarded this city that God has given you so well. And it's partially and a major part of because of the amazing gift that God has given you in your pastors and Pastor Aaron and Pastor Katie. Can you honor the gift that... That's a golf clap. Can you act like God is giving you the greatest gift ever? I was uh, talking to my dad before this service, and I was like, those are the type of people I want to be around because they fire you up to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? Hey, go ahead and take your seat. I am ready to preach. Y'all don't messed up 
and y'all brought a guest speaker for the spiritual warfare series. That's just not what you do. You bring the guest speaker for the love thy neighbor as thyself series or the little, you know, stop yelling at your husband series or whatever it may be. But we are jumping into spiritual warfare today. I got a message called Armed and Dangerous that I am ready to preach. Go ahead, grab your Bible, turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 y'all are still kind of like worried why is he so hyped why is he so excited i've had a cup of coffee but that has nothing to do with it i'm like this all the time <laughs> i want to show you a picture of why uh i'm so happy and uh my life is better than yours uh it's because my uh family is more beautiful than yours now you may say pastor it's not a competition you're correct it's not because i've already won but uh <laughs> That is the amazing blessing that God has given me. It'd be a perfect picture if I wasn't in it, but I'm kind of messing up the good looks. Sitting next to me is the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me this side of planet Earth. That is my beautiful bride. Her name is Zai. I call her my African queen. She hails from Sierra Leone, West Africa. And she, you think I'm a preacher. That chick can preach this building to the ground. Sitting on my lap is my oldest daughter. Her name is Zoe. Her rapper name is Zozo. Sitting on my wife's lap is my oldest son. His name is Roman. His rapper name is Roro. So we have Zozo and Roro. You can tell whose parents are not creative whatsoever. And then we have a third child on the way on July 19th. The only people that are clapping right now are people who do not have three kids. Those of you who have three or more, you're saying, bro, why would you do that? What is wrong with you? See, when you have a firstborn daughter, everyone's like, oh, that's so cute. You have a boy and a girl. People are like, that's amazing. When you have a third, they say, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Like, do you know what causes that? And I said, yes, I do know what causes that, and I'm unwilling to give that up. So we're going to have to... That's a relationship series, though. Some of y'all, some of y'all late. It's 12 o'clock. You missed it all. Don't worry. You'll get it at the 4 p.m. service. There's not one. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Y'all ready? Here we go. It says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. I think sometimes the Bible is written for some of us that are not that bright. <laughs> Somebody say, that's me. Don't say that. Don't say that. No spirit of me. Paul said, hey, put the whole armor on. I don't know why he said whole. Maybe because some of us want to put half of it on. He said, don't just put on salvation. Don't just put on peace. You need the whole armor. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may. That's a message right there. Don't just put on salvation. Put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against our mother-in-law. Sorry, it's a little weird translation that I'm reading. I don't know about this 12 o'clock service. Y'all a little late. Okay, here we go. We don't wrestle against our boss. We're not wrestling against the neighbor who keeps on letting their dog go on our lawn. It's not against another human being. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God. There it goes again. That we may be able to stand within 2021 and having done all to stand. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, in this moment, as we're standing under an open heaven, 
God, we're grateful that you joined us today. And that may be a bold statement, but you said in your word, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you will be also. And God, you would not have shown up just to sing songs. God, you showed up to heal sick bodies. You showed up, God, to restore faith. God, you showed up to give us divine ideas for our business, our marriage, our kids. God, you showed up to take us one step closer to the perfect plan, the destiny that you have for us. So God, we preemptively say that when you speak, we will obey. Have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Some of you guys are really concerned. You're currently questioning the judgment of your pastor because he brought Chris Rock in to preach. And uh, I'm telling you, you're going to make it through okay. You're going to be all right. You are safe. Um, I'm gone by tomorrow, so it'll be all the way good. I want to preach your message today called Armed and Dangerous, Armed and Dangerous. I'm going to mess with you a little bit, not too much, but I'm just going to get you thinking. And one of the things that I pray that, that this, this message answers just a little bit is some of our frustration with God. You know, we're in church, so we're not allowed to tell the truth because you can't tell the truth in church. But if you were to be honest, there's some of us that would say, I'm mad at God. Some of us, that makes us very uncomfortable. So we want to say that we're mad at God. I'm frustrated with God. Or we just wouldn't say anything. But a lot of us find ourselves in a position where we're disappointed with God. Because we feel like something that we've prayed should have come to pass by now. We feel like, God, where were you when? How come this hasn't happened or whatever it may be? And one of the things that I'm hoping that this message answers is that some of the things that we've prayed, God has said yes, but the yes never got to us. It's not that God said no. It's not that God ignored your prayer. It's that God saying yes is not the end of the story. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, I love how scripture is written for the skeptic. You know, sometimes, oh, it's just too good to be true. There's no way that God could be a healer, a provider, a friend that's closer than a brethren. No, here's what Paul said. All the promises of God are true. They're all yes. They are all yes. Then it goes on to say, and. For no matter how many of the promises of God has made, they are yes in Christ. Somebody say and. That word and messes it all up. If it's all the promises of God are yes, period, end of verse, we're good. But that word and means there's more to the story. It says and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that God says, yes, God has a desire, but our response to God's desire is what dictates whether we see it come to pass in our life. For example, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in in other words, God has healing in heaven. God has breakthrough in heaven. God has contracts for your business in heaven. He's waiting for us here on earth say, I want to see heaven come to earth. And what you have to understand is that when you cry out to God, when you pray and God says yes, the second God says yes, the enemy steps into position. He instantly stands between you and the yes that God has for you. Somebody say, prove it. I love when y'all say that. Daniel chapter 10, verse, it says this. It says, remember Daniel 10 when he was fasting for 21 days? 
that verse that I hate because I'm like, why couldn't you be fasting for 14 days? It would have made my January so much easier. But no, you wanted to fast and pray for 21 days and eat no good food. And now I'm stuck every January. Anyway, it says from the second he began to fast and pray for 21 days, he got no answer. On the 21st day, an angel came to Daniel and said, watch this, from the first day you sought God, I was dispatched. The moment Daniel began to pray, God sent an answer. But here's what the angel said. He said, I was tied up in spiritual warfare for 21 days, but I have now broken through. As we are praying without ceasing, as we are bombarding heaven, we are not trying to convince God to be on our side. He always has been on our side. He's more on our side than we could be on our side. Prayer is not convincing God to notice us. Prayer is engaging in spiritual battle, releasing heaven so that we can see breakthrough here on earth. If we don't learn how to fight in the spiritual realm, the enemy will continue to steal God's yeses in our lives. Growing up, I wasn't much of a fighter. You can tell I'm a little bit slight, and I was just like, you know, it's not a place to laugh. God bless you people. You're worse. I'm going back home. Anyway, I, I had a little bit of wisdom. So I looked at him. I looked at me. I looked back at him. I said, hey, let's negotiate. Let's work this out. Let's figure out another way to get this done to throw in hands because it's not going to turn out too good for me. I was actually only in one fight in my entire life. I was home uh, with my siblings. My parents weren't there. They weren't supposed to leave us home at that age, but it's a different story for a different day. We made it, so it's all good. And this guy in the neighborhood, I didn't really like him. His name was Kenny. He came to my door, and he rang the doorbell. You know, the whole deal, when you leave your kids home, you're not supposed to. Don't answer the door. Don't go anywhere. So what do we do? We answered the door. I opened the door, and Kenny's there, and he said, hey, can I borrow some cheese? Borrow some cheese? Just in case you're wondering where I grew up. I did not grow up in Mayberry where people went to the next door neighbor and ordered cheese and sugar and all that other good stuff. I'm looking at him as confused as you're looking at me. So borrow some cheese. I don't have any cheese. What are you talking about? He said, I need some cheese. I said, I don't have any cheese. He goes, well, scrape it off your mother's teeth. Well, that's what I said. I said, oh, no, you, I took off running. He goes running across the street. I burst out. I'm running after him. I'm faster than he is. I catch him in the neighbor's lawn, and I put him in the ground. Here's the problem. I'd never been in a fight in my life. I was one of five homeschooled pastor's kid, grew up on focus on the family. We didn't fight. I didn't quite know what to do at this moment. So I, I had him in the ground, and you're just like, dummy, throw a punch. It's not that simple. And I finally was just like, take it back. Come on now, that, that put some hair on your chest. Take it back. And he's like, is that it? Uh, I take it back. It's like, fine. Yeah. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, I could teach you how to fight. Just meet me after serve. By the way, I was playing golf yesterday in Tampa, and a group of four behind us got in an all-out brawl on the golf course. I'm like, I don't know what's up with Tampa, but get me out of this city. You people are crazy. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, look, I've been in my fair share of fights. I could teach you how to throw those hands. And I just wonder if some of us, we know how to fight physically. Maybe you even know how to fight verbally. You know how to say that word that will cut them deep. But you don't know what to do spiritually. And some of us find ourselves over the enemy like, take him back. As if that's going to drive him out of our health. 
as if that's going to drive him out of our homes or out of our finances or out of areas that he has illegally encroached in our lives. But until we understand the authority that we have in Christ and that we have the ability to drive him back. So this is the last service. I'm going to say it like it is. Here we are blaming God. God, why haven't you? God says, I already have. I've given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. And it's your job to drive the strong man out of your home. Now, about 70% of you are with me. There's a 30% in the room like, Pastor, I just, I don't, I don't agree with this message, Pastor. Uh, we are Christians, and Christians are not violent people. And uh, I just don't think you should be preaching a message about being violent because, you know, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, and they shall inherit the kingdom of God. We ain't supposed to be meek and mild. By the way, that's my super spiritual voice, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> You're only offended if that's you, but... <laughs> Here's what my Bible tells me in Psalm 1834. It says that my God teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Now, why would my God teach me to make war if he did not design me to take territory from the enemy, if he did not design me to drive the enemy back? Hear me. We have to learn that we are in a spiritual battle. And like it or not, we're here. So we might as well learn to live in victory. Amen? I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts about being victorious, being armed and dangerous. The first thing is this. You need to know your territory. If you're going to be victorious in a battle, you got to know what you're fighting for. And a lot of people, I'm getting in trouble, in 2021, were fighting for stuff that they didn't know what they were fighting for. I'm just going to send. Ah, hear me. Wait, what point are you making? So many of us are fight. We don't know what territory we're fighting for. In Job chapter one, verse eight, it says this. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant? Job, by the way, Job chapter one is probably the most confusing passage on planet earth. That's why I'm going to read it, leave it, and Pastor Aaron can clean it up next week. That's, that's the benefit of being the guest speaker. You don't have to work that hard. Just, all right, ask him next week. He'll figure it out. It says, then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant? God suggested Job. Hey, God, if you could keep my name out your mouth, that would be really great. He said, he is the finest man in all the earth. Man, I wish God would say that about me. A good man who fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. Satan said, why shouldn't he when you pay him so well? You have always protected him and his home and his property from all harm. You have prospered everything he does. Look how rich he is. Satan said, no wonder he worships you. But just take away his wealth, and you'll see him curse you to your face. You have to understand, not only do you have an enemy, but your enemy is not after what you think he's after. You know, we, we, we get in this deal where we blame Satan on everything. You, you get a flat tire on your way to work. The devil is busy. The devil is busy. No, your tires are bald and you haven't gotten an alignment. That's why your tire blue had nothing to do with the enemy. You are your enemy. <laughs> we blame the enemy for everything so we don't get the job and we think it's the enemy. We have this problem or that problem or what. Hear me. The enemy is only after one thing. He's after your worship. 
He doesn't care about your money. He has his own. He ain't worried about your relationship. He is worried about your distance, your proximity, your pursuit of God. The word worship doesn't mean to lift hands or sing a song. The word worship means to lay everything at the feet of something. The only thing the enemy is after is your posture of surrender towards God. And the only reason why he attacks our health and our finances and our marriage and our kids and our business is so that we would get up off of our face before God and go deal with him. And in doing so, bring distance in our relationship with God. The only thing he's worried about is your proximity with God. He said, if you let me curse Job's money and take his children and his health, watch he won't worship you anymore. So can I give you the first step of being victorious in spiritual battles? Don't make your worship of God predicated on the comfort of your life. That's a good place to say amen. Don't be the type of Christian that you only worship God when things are good. You only worship God when money is good. You only worship God when relationships are good and you have something to be happy about. Here's why. Because if that's what dictates our pursuit of God, it is so easy to throw us off. All I have to do is get one of your 15 fake friends to stab you in the back again because you haven't cut them off. And next thing you know, oh my gosh, everybody hates me. Why didn't God block that? No, 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 no. We need to be like Job where he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. There is nothing that comes in my life that can cause. Why? Because he hung on a cross for my sin in my life. And if he doesn't do one more thing for me, he has already done more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. God, I am grateful for what you've already done. If we could get a revelation of the cross, we'd realize everything else is icing on the cake. Like, based on what you did for me on Calvary, you could never do anything else and I would still be in your debt for the rest of eternity. So yes, I don't want my finances to be funky, but even if they are, God, I'm going to worship you. And yes, there's pain and there's anxiety in this area of health, but God, I'm going to worship you. And watch this. If we remove our worship from our circumstances, we hamstring the enemy from being able to throw us off. Paul said this in Philippians 4.11, I have learned. By the way, it's something you learn. It's not just like you just wake up one day like, I'm content in God. He said, I've learned it. Can I preach? In summer small groups, I've learned it by finishing Grove Track. I've learned it by getting in a community of people that are going to challenge and build my faith. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I, I didn't grow up fighting physically as a pastor's kid, kind of sheltered. But I did grow up learning how to fight spiritually. See, one of the things that you have to understand is pastors are under spiritual attack more than anybody on the planet. People think all pastors do is sit in a room and prepare a message to preach. No, 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 no. The Bible says that God holds your pastor accountable for your soul. 
It is the pastor's job to watch over your mind, your will, and your emotions. If there is ever a spiritual attack that hits your family, understand it hits your pastor first. And he didn't ask me to say this, but I'll just say this. Make sure you pray for your pastor. You have no idea the battles that they fight on your behalf, so you never have to fight them. And I remember growing up in a pastor's home where we would just see attack after attack. And in our home in particular, a lot of the enemy's attack came in the area of health. So I had a mother that was diagnosed with breast cancer, a sister that had multiple brain surgeries, and another sister was born premature. And it was just like battle after battle after battle. And in those battles, I learned, don't sulk in a corner. Don't get in a position of God. How could you? Why didn't you? No, no, no. Lean into the presence of God when you least feel like it and watch a peace that surpasses all understanding guards your heart guard your mind and he brings the clarity in his presence of how to find victory oh if I had time to tell you I do I don't but I'll tell you anyway <laughs> my sister uh, was in a wedding she had a, a medical emergency in New York at a not great hospital and they got into this funky thing where they wanted to do a surgery at the hospital mama bear came out and said you ain't touching my daughter you can only imagine the scene well it got to the thing we're not releasing her she has to stay here my mom kicked everybody out that hospital room next thing you know she starts marketing around the room worshiping God Blessing God, God, this is your room. God, you are the healer. God, you are in control. After about five minutes of that, a nurse stuck her head in, hey, that doctor's tripping and they don't have the authority to keep your daughter here. I've actually arranged an ambulance that could take them to the best hospital across town. Hear me, if only we understood, don't let a battle in the physical snatch my attention from God because that's when I need to lock eyes on him. More than ever, I need to know the territory. The second thing is this, you need to know your enemy. You have an enemy. There's something about us Christians that we think we live in this spiritual incubator. And we're just like, I don't get it. Like, I didn't do anything against Satan. Why is he so mad at me? I don't got no trouble with you. Don't have no trouble with me. Hear me. Even if you don't have beef with the enemy, he has beef with you. Why? Because his entire mission is to wipe the earth of the image of God. And you may not know this, but you are the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it says this, Let us make mankind in our image, male and female. We reflect the image of God here on earth. So when you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror like, oh. All you see is insecurity. Is your stuttering problem, is your addiction, is the pain or the bad decisions. But listen to me, when the enemy looks at you, he sees grace, he sees mercy, he sees favor, he sees royalty. He sees that you are reflecting the image of God. So like it or not, you have an enemy. Now, we're in church, so we only preach from the Bible. Somebody say amen. So a quote from the book, The Art of War, would be inappropriate. So I'm not going to give you a quote from the book of The Art of War. But if I were, it would go something like this. <laughs> that was a long way just to give a dumb quote, right? <laughs> the book says this, if you know yourself, but you do not know your enemy, you will find victory, but there will be casualties. At the beginning of the quote, it says, if you know yourself and you know your enemy, you can face a hundred battles, but victory is always guaranteed. But it says, if you neither know yourself 
nor you know your enemy. Defeat is certain. There's so many believers, we don't know who we are. We don't know our identity in God. We don't know the power of our words. We don't know that the creator of the universe, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, dwells inside of our mortal body. But we also don't know the enemy that we face. A couple of things about your enemy. He is a lying foe. The enemy is a liar. The Bible says that lies are his native language. If he's speaking, it's a lie. The problem is we've bought his lie, so we think the enemy is some figure with horns and a pitchfork and a tail. No, 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 no. The Bible says that he is cunning, that he masquerades as an angel of God, but he's really an angel of darkness. He doesn't lie to your face. Ouch. I'm going to get in trouble. It's okay. I'm going home later, though. He lies through politicians. He lies through music. He lies through media. He lies through movies. He lies through what your mother told you you would never be. He lies through what your uncle told you you would never be. It's difficult to know where his lies are coming from. And some of us are living out our entire identity based on a lie from the enemy. Before my father was a pastor, he worked at a bank. In his first few weeks of being a bank teller, they had to teach him how to recognize counterfeit money. I think if you work at a bank, knowing what a fake dollar bill is is probably kind of important, right? And they said, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to put counterfeit money in front of you because there's too many types of counterfeits. And as soon as we memorize what all the counterfeits look like, they'll just make more counterfeits. So instead of giving him counterfeits, they gave him real money. And they said, if you could just memorize what the real thing looks like, whenever a counterfeit comes, you'll recognize it because you'll know that there's something off. You don't have to study every world religion. You don't have to figure out whatever lie there is out there. All you need to do is know the truth of God's word for yourself. Because if you know what the real thing looks like, when a lie comes, you'll be able to recognize it. So a lie like, hey, life is stressful, things are hard, you deserve to be depressed, you deserve to be anxious, you deserve to be paralyzed by fear. It sounds good, it sounds normal. Hey, it's 2021, everybody's going through it unless you know what the Word says. The Word says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Bible says he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a... If I could preach it for a second... God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, somebody say amen, but of power, love, and a sound mind. These last 18 months of this whole panoramic was what? Fear hovering over people's heads. The only way to counteract that fear was to walk in the power of God, to love other people and not just worry about ourselves, and to keep a sound mind. And watch this, the people that connected to the power of God stayed connected to other believers and walked in the wisdom of God, walked through without a spirit of fear on their life. But those who did not just socially distance, but emotionally distance, stepped away from the power of God and lost their ever-loving mind. Panoramics over, fear is still present. All right, keep it moving. He's a controlling foe. He's not just a lying foe. He's a, the enemy's goal is to control you. One of the things, that, he's a liar and a controller, and he lies about his control. 
Make sense? No, it doesn't. I'm confused. Okay. Here's one of the lies of the enemy. One of his lies is that God wants to control you. You ever heard that? Don't go to church. They have all those rules. If you go to church, you, you can't have any fun. You can't smoke. You can't chew. You can't hang out with people who do. YOLO, just live your life. Don't let God control you. When in fact, there is nothing more controlling than anger. There is nothing more controlling than lust and bitterness and unforgiveness. His desire is to control you. And because we don't know that, we dance close to the edge of sin. It's not sin. It's just unforgiveness. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Not understanding that when I hold that unforgiveness in my life, I'm stepping into an area where I allow the enemy to control me. By the way, why did the enemy have access to Job's life? Because Job was controlled by pride. It was subtle, but as you read through the book of Job, Job said things like, I've never sinned. Well, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so I'm confused on that one. And Job says, I don't deserve this. I'm the most righteous. And what God did is he removed his hedge of protection to allow the enemy to drive that control out into the open so that Job could deal with it. What we may not realize is that when we sin, we give the enemy access to our lives. Third thing is this, the enemy is a defeated foe. He is a defeated foe. There is no cosmic battle between God and Satan. There is no God fighting against Satan throughout all void Here's what happened. Before the earth was created, the enemy had a thought. I want to be just like... Before the thought could even manifest, Satan said, I want to be like God said, out and it says that he dropped like lightning and a third of the angels who thought just like him. The enemy was defeated before you were ever born and he remains defeated. But when we don't know that he's defeated, things like cancer seem overwhelming. Things like bankruptcy, things like anxiety and fear. But when you realize that anything that has a name must bow to the name of Jesus. You realize just by the fact that I can put words to it, just by the fact that society has called it something, means that whatever it's called, it is under the authority of God. Last thing is this, you need to know your weapons. You need to know what you're fighting for. You need to know the enemy that you're fighting against. And you need to know the weapons that God has given you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says this, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. It's not guns and knives and sticks. He hasn't given us carnal weapons, but weapons that are mighty in God for the pulling down of the enemy's fortresses. You have weapons that are more powerful than any bomb a human could create. Three weapons that you have. The first weapon that you have is your words. If only you can understand how much your words drive back the enemy. The Bible says life and death is in the power of your tongue. And the enemy has been attacking your words longer than you can imagine because he said, if I can get you to speak defeat and speak discouragement and speak abandonment, then that's going to be what manifests in your life. But if we can learn to speak as children of almighty God, that I am the head and not the tail, that I am remembered by God, I'm not forgotten about God, that I am provided for, I am not lacking. If we can learn to speak the truth of God's word, it will come to pass in our lives. 
Our second weapon is this, our prayer. Do you know that prayer is a weapon? Do you know what happens when you pray? Angels are released when you pray. We said at the beginning of the message in Daniel chapter 10, here's what we think happens. We think, God, I need a breakthrough. And God's in heaven like, hmm, what do you think, God? Do you think we should? I don't know. Check their tithing records. See if, see if they're a giver. See if they're, that's not what happens when you pray. When you pray, the moment you pray, God looks around for an angel with arms as big as Pastor Aaron's. He don't send no scrawny air. He's like, hey, I need you to go bring the answer to them. And matter of fact, they're going to face some warfare. So send a cup. When we pray, angels are released. If we understood the power of our prayer, let me not jump on you because I'm going back home and talk about Stephen. If I understood the power of prayer, I would pray more than I'm praying right now. If I understood every time I said, our Father who art in heaven, angels are released. Heaven opens and his kingdom comes flooding into my life. My words are a weapon. My prayer is a weapon. But my worship is a weapon you see, when I speak, situations change. When I pray, angels are released. But when I worship, God shows up himself. It's one thing when a situation changes. It's another thing when an angel shows up. It's a whole different ball game when God himself shows up. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That when I lift my hands, when I lift my voice, when I begin to say, God, you're awesome. God, you're worthy. God, you're peace. God, you're a healer. God, you're a friend, you're a provider, you're a refuge. God says, oh my goodness, I have to go into that midst. I have to show up. And let me preach the Lion King for a second. Lion King's biblical as a mug. You have no idea. Remember you sitting there, Simba, he's surrounded by all the hyenas. And they're like, we're going to rip you limb from limb. This is the Stephen translation of the Lion King. And next thing you know, Mufasa shows up. That was a good roar. I don't know. That was good. That's the anointing right there. Next thing you know, these hyenas go flying. Some of us walked into church today and anxiety is barking and depression is barking and bankruptcy is at your door and job loss and all these different things and you have to realize you're in a battle that you can't win but there is a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah that once he shows up, once he roars one time, the enemy must flee in seven different directions. I wish I had some believers in this room that would hop up on their feet and spend about 20 seconds just worshiping God, just inviting his presence into this place. God, we bless you. God, we worship you. God, we magnify you. We declare there is none like you in all the earth. Hey, can we sing that one time? Come on. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I, yeah. this is how I find my battles. This is how I find my this is how I find my battles. This Come is on. how I it may look like it may look like it. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Hey. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm 
Pastor Aaron said I was supposed to come in January and it got pushed to this moment and I feel like it was God. I feel like God sent me here for a, design, a defined assignment. And it may not be for everybody, but there's some of you that you just find yourself in the fight of your life. I've been there. Some of y'all are facing fights that it's a silent fight. Nobody around you knows you haven't even told your spouse how close you are to losing the business. And the thing about battles is they're exhausting, especially as they drag on longer and longer and longer. Some of you are battling addictions, battling discouragement. And God sent me here today with a simple word. Get your eyes off of the fight and get your eyes on the victorious one, the one that has never lost a battle. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, I don't look at the fight. I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And I just wanna speak prophetically over you. This fight will not take you out. And because the enemy dare impact your life, God is gonna make him pay back seven times what was stolen. Now there's some of you who you feel like you're in this fight by yourself. And the truth of the matter is you are because you've never invited the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to step into your life and fight on your behalf. The good news is he's just waiting. He's waiting for an invitation. So I wanna pray for those that are saying, Pastor, I'm tired of fighting by myself. I'm tired of feeling like I'm in this by myself. All you have to do is invite the creator of your life and watch him fight for you. If that's you, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for knowing me for wanting me. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising on the third day, the greatest victory ever, so that I can be forgiven of all my sin. Today, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person that made the greatest decision ever? God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.